HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food and drink lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. Learn more at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll, Lord. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. I'm Southern Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Gentlemen, hey. back in the studio, the virtual studio again, once again. Indeed. 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 So uh, I heard that uh, you might have been partying a little bit last night, Souther. Uh Damon, <laughs> I was partying a little bit last night. I'm still, uh, I think I'm still in it, honestly. What was the occasion? Um, well, the 50 best bars list came out, 50 best bars in North America. So they busted it into, a, a, you know, its own category. So North America, uh, the whole week here has been a celebration of that. Um, we did an event on Saturday night at Amore Margo with a bar from Mexico. Uh, we did uh, uh, the team from Scrappies took over the bar on uh, Sunday night. Uh, Monday night was the 50 best bars um, sort of cocktail reception for all of the bars and bartenders who are in town because of the celebration being here in New York this year. And uh, and then last night was the, you know, the final countdown or what have you, uh, hosted by Ms. Frankie Marshall, good friend of ours. Um, she was a dynamo on the stage. It was really fun to watch her. And uh, Amore Margo, the little bar that could, um, we achieved number twenty three. So inside the top half, nice, uh, pretty yeah, pretty Dang. impressive for uh, for a bar that for six years in a row we were on the fifty one to one hundred to watch. Uh, we never got below fifty, and suddenly shazam we're in we're below 25 so pretty pretty proud of the team you know i i told bruce last night i said um bruce, bruce my head bartender over there i said um you know six years i i teed it up and finally you know you 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 took it home so thanks for that pretty, feels pretty congratulations yeah, that's amazing man congratulations i mean you guys know me and we've talked about these things in the past like i don't really care about the list um it's it will drive business, which will put dollars in the pockets of my team. And, uh, you know, if they're making money, then, then the eventuality is that I'm making money. Um, and that's what matters to me. So uh, it is certainly um, feels it's a feel good thing. You know, like, you know, I'm there last night being like, eh, whatever. And then I'm getting drunker and I'm feeling better because I'm surrounded by people that I know, love and respect. And then I realize, well, everyone in there is surrounded by people they know, love and respect. And, and I'm one of them. Right. So that feels good. But uh, yeah. You know, the real sort of bonus of it all for me is knowing that the, this will drive business and it'll make the team money. So yeah, you don't care about the list until you until uh, you make the list, right? Well, there's, <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> there's kind of that. Um, it certainly gives a little bit of a dichotomous feeling inside in that regard. But um, yeah, I uh, it'll drive business. I don't know. Well, and it's also, I mean, in a, in, a, in a rare moment of sincerity both from me and the speakeasy at large you know i mean like yeah it'll drive business but also like i mean you you deserve to be proud of that even for like even for like just today just for the next 45 minutes on this show all right because i mean you and the team over there have been busting your ass especially having to you know make all the changes that you had to do over the last couple of years and you know to have this this be the year that you know the place comes back 
and and cracks into the top 25 i think i think that's awesome man give yourself like a day to be super proud of it and then you can go back to feeling humble um (laughs) i don't think i'm gonna feel humble Uh, speaking know, of awards and things that yeah, make you feel humble, uh, the uh, the Spirited Award Top Ten list was announced last week. I think actually pretty soon after we uh, we recorded our show last week, and mm-hmm. once again we are in the top ten for best broadcast podcaster online series. The uh, the Susan Lucci of the uh, of that particular category, and and we're and we're once again I do have to say in in phenomenal company. The other people that are on yeah. that list are are amazing. Their shows are great. They're run by great people, and they and they deserve to be there. But yeah, I was I, thinking about this. Okay, <laughs> this is our fifth year being nominated. Well, yeah, this. I was going to say, dude, like, I th- I feel like we've been nominated every year that it's been up. We've been nominated like the first the first year that this became a category. I don't think there were there was even a top ten. There weren't even ten shows to be on the list. <laughs> you know, right. by default, we were like on it. But it, I we, think one of them was like a magazine that like snuck in there. Yeah, like, exactly. oh, okay. <laughs> but but I was also thinking about this is like not only for 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 us. I mean, you know, it's great to be up there every year. You know, I would I would like I do need uh, some new. Uh, plates in my house, but it's a, it is nice to, to, it is it, it's more than nice. It's an honor to be up there every year, but also for me personally, this is, I think my eighth or ninth time being nominated. Cause I've also been up in this category oh, for right. back bar for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Last year I was up for three different shows in this category. And as Dave Ronda wanders will tell you, I didn't win any of them. Right. So <laughs> he swept them. <laughs> I was thinking about this. Am I the losingest person in Tales of the Cocktail history at this point? <laughs> Are you the Susan Lucci of Tales? Yes. Am I? Am I the person who has been who has not won more times than anybody else in any category? I was. I was trying to think if there was maybe one other person, but it might. It might be me. And you know what? I'm okay with that. If that's yeah. my legacy in this field, I can live with that. We'll have to do always on deck. You know, I think we should just, they should just rename them the Wondrich Awards, you know, like, (laughs) and big surprise, this year's Wondrich Award goes to, do you guys did Dave Wondrich? Presented by uh, Noah Rothbaum. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they should, uh, they should lifetime achievement him and just get him out of the race. (laughs) You've done it all. Thank you for your service. Now sit over there. Over there oh, and one of your plates. Well, there's a uh, you know there's a lot to uh, to celebrate, guys. Uh, congratulations on yeah on all the nominations and awards for you, Souther. And uh, you know, let's let's pop some champagne and cover ourselves in glitter. Speaking of being covered in glitter, <laughs> oh my, what a segue! <laughs> Boom, I love it. We should have the Segway Awards too. Um, <laughs> I I get. I get people ask me all the time. They're like, dude, I, or they, they tell me, they're like, I saw you on some like food network thing. Uh, the shows about uh, these different bars and restaurants. And you were there with this guy and you guys were drinking champagne and eating patty melts, four layer patty melts at like two in the morning. And you're covered in glitter at extra fancy. Uh, and that's <laughs> happens to be the guest on our show today. <laughs> 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 The other person in that video shoot, and couldn't be happier to have him on the show today. We've we have Austin Henley in the studio. Welcome back to the show, Austin. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Yeah. Speaking of things to celebrate, happy birthday, Damon. Yeah. Oh, thanks a lot. Well, what? Happy birthday, dude. Hey, man. Yeah, we're not going to yeah. talk. I'm I'm, I'm thirty one yeah, again. Know. You're upset. You're upset. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Austin. It's, uh, it's great. It's, it, what a treat for me, you know, like what a gift to have you on the show today on my birthday. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and to be on the same coast together. Yeah, exactly. I still haven't, we haven't linked up over here yet, but it's a, it's pretty, California's a big state. long coast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So yeah, what, let's, let's get into it. Let's talk about, I mean, Southern, you were just hanging out with Austin like last week, right? Yeah, I happened to be out in L.A., and I got to go sit at the bar Cato, where you work. Uh, well, it's more of a restaurant than a bar. Michelin starred. Um, I think you're, uh, you know, speaking of sort of records, I, I feel like we're starting to talk like, uh, you know, remember how Bob Barker would always talk about the, the records that are on the show. But I think you're the second ever uh, guest on the show who runs a bar at a Michelin restaurant. And, and then I also would throw in that both of those guests were former Amoria Margot employees. 
So hey, all right. Humble brag. Number 23 <laughs> for a reason, baby. <laughs> right. Well, you know what, guys? I, I meant to mention 23. So I'm going to take that as a number that um, that's how many places I'm going to open next year. Um, anyway. <laughs> that's about right. Yeah. So whatever number it was. If it was 50, all right, I'll take it. I'm going to open 50. Um, <laughs> so, Austin, yeah, you've got a pretty um, great trajectory. You know, uh, I met you at Booker and Dax. Um, that's right. We worked one shift together. One, exactly one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you came as I was leaving. So talk just a little bit about your, you know, CV, basically don't, don't, don't get too deep within. And then let's, let's get to the place where it led you to where you are, because I'm fascinated by what you're doing right now. I got to sit at the bar and it's just incredible. So I want to get into a lot of that. Oh, well, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I, I was lucky enough to start my bartending career at, uh, Booker and Dax, the late great Booker and Dax, uh, Dave Arnold's, um, kind of boundary pushing cocktail bar, uh, that was attached to Momofuku Sambar in the East Village. Um, and at the time, that was one of the only uh, games in town that was, uh, you know, doing forced carbonation and centrifugal clarification um, and techniques like that, uh, which are now pretty ubiquitous, uh, thanks in part to um, Dave Arnold's uh, Spinzall. Um, and after cutting my teeth there, I went and worked uh, with you at Amori Margo for a few years, as well as uh, Maison Premier in uh, in Brooklyn, and then made the move uh, to the West Coast to open uh, Momofuku's first LA restaurant, Major Domo, which is where I was for the past four years, uh, heading up the cocktail program there. Their first and their it's the largest of all of their properties, right? Uh, aside from Vegas. Oh, all right, fine. Everything's bigger in Vegas. So but yeah, um, it, it's a 180 seat <laughs> restaurant that would do, you know, at, at, uh, at full capacity or at full speed, do 300 plus covers a night. So definitely quite a departure from the size and scale and scope of most New York restaurants. Um, a lot more room to move around. You know what? I wanted to bring something up real quick about Vegas. So, I mean... I was just thinking about like what's I was talking with someone a couple of days ago about this and we're like, okay, so New York city, obviously we're, we're all, we've all been there and then, you know, we're still doing that. And in, in a lot of cases, but like, I, I was like, what do you think the city is in the United States that has the most like industry presence? And we're like, well, it's New York city. Right. And then I was like, no, it's probably Vegas. You know, as far as like people, because there's a big staffing issue right now, and that's really what led to this conversation. But I was just thinking, like Vegas is probably it's got to be right because it's that's just like that town's all as about entertainment. As, as far as job density, yeah, um, yeah. Because if you think about it, every single every single hotel property has Multiple, how many different F and B outlets within it? Yeah. I mean, dozens, right? And totally. each one of those is, you know bigger than a New York restaurant by a factor of 10. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, let's go back to me. And also the cost of <laughs> the cost of living there too, is such that you can, you know, you can, uh, work a job as a bartender or a server and buy a house. Yeah, right. Exactly. Which is not really something that you can do up in Northern California or New York or even LA now. Yeah. For yeah sure. Are you, are you allowed to do that as a bartender? I mean, <laughs> not, not, not in those cities, not in this city. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so you were at major Domo and then you, you told me the story of how you sort of like read about these guys and you kind of cold called them, right? Yeah, I did. Um, so I had been, I've been doing uh major Domo for four years. And uh, even though I, I absolutely adored that gig and still absolutely love that restaurant. I think it's one of the best restaurants in Los Angeles. Um, I was, I was ready to do something new. Um, it, having to execute a program for that many covers while it does, it definitely taught me some interesting lessons about creating a program for that kind of volume. Um, you have to be creative in ways that you don't for a restaurant half the size, right? You need to make it, you need to make everything scalable. You need to make it executable by uh, a larger team uh, and you need to pump out a lot of drinks. Um, and I was, just kind of ready for the next thing, right? Ready for the next step in my career. And looking around, I I hadn't really seen 
anything that struck me as the obvious next move. Um, and then one day I was just on my phone uh, looking through uh, Eater articles and I saw an article about um, Cato moving from its location uh, on the west side of LA where, where it had been for five years. Um, little strip mall space um, with no liquor license at all. So no wine, no beer, no cocktail program, um, which wow. is it's an incredible achievement and a testament to the team that they got a Michelin star with absolutely, absolutely no beverage. I didn't um, realize that that's, that is in, that's insane, that's insane. <laughs> which I can't, um, you know, someone, someone can, uh, can, can jump in, in, uh, in comments somewhere and, uh, give me the info, but I, I can't think off the top of my head of another restaurant in the U S that's done that. Yeah. It's pretty shocking. I, I, would, I would, yeah, it blows me away. So wait, they're, they're in a strip mall, which is that's common in LA, right? To have your yeah, kind of, absolutely. Kind of nicer um, restaurants are in strip malls. That's just how it is mm-hmm. out there, right? Yeah, um, and uh, but but not not uh, they don't all have Michelin stars. Um, so <laughs> I'm just passing them out willy nilly. It's not glitter. Yeah. They. Uh, <laughs> so when the pandemic hit, they decided to kind of take a breath and rather than hunker down and just do takeout, which they did, they did do some takeout, but they decided to kind of regroup. Um, and they partnered with Ryan Bailey, who was the, uh, head SOM at Nomad New York and then moved to LA as the wine director for Nomad LA. They partnered with Ryan, uh, as a kind of director of operations, uh, and, experienced front of house person. Um, and they got a bunch more investors and moved to a bigger location where they'd be able to have space to, um, space to grow and space to do more covers and have a wine cellar and a wine program and, and have a bar. And I, I saw an article about this, um, this project moving, um, to a new space that would have a liquor license and, and I just, I thought, you know, wow, that'd be a, that'd be a dream job to be able to run the the cocktail program for, for this restaurant. And it was going to open in about three months. And I thought, you know, they, they, they must already have somebody to do that. It's happening so quickly, but I just kind of took a gamble and got in touch with a friend of mine who worked with Ryan at the Nomad and, uh, put me in touch with him and, uh, you know, next day I went and talked with John and Ryan at the, at the new space. And we ended up talking for three or four hours. And, um, by the end of the conversation, I think both parties were convinced that, that this was a good fit. Uh, and I, I signed on the next day. I mean, that's amazing. And so you stepped away from giant major domo and moved into this smaller capacity space that is also Michelin star. So the pace is a little bit slower. And I think that's where everything starts to really come together on the service that I received sitting at your bar and that I watched everyone around me receive. And we really going to dig into that and talk about what it is you get to do there uh, and, and, and how fascinating it is when we come back after the break. Uh, so let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back with Austin Henley from Cato in LA. Hey Southern, you know where I'm going to be later on this month? Where's that, buddy? I'm going to be in Nashville. You want to know why? I definitely want to know why. All right. Well, it's because I'm going to the U.S. Finals of World Class, which is presented by our good friends at Diageo Bar Academy. Amazing. You know, DiageoBarAcademy.com focuses on representing the global bar community with diverse content created by experts and enthusiasts from around the world, championing the passions of bartenders, upskilling those new to the industry, and supporting owners and operators to solve problems they face in their bars and restaurants. You should join the community of Diageo Bar Academy today. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I, you know, if you're a regular listener to the show, you've heard us talk about uh, DBA for uh, for a while now. But we do it for a reason because Diageo Bar Academy is, and this is one of my favorite parts of it, a totally free resource for bartenders, for managers, and for really everybody that's in the hospitality industry, or, or even interested. I think the enthusiasts can log on as well. Uh, whether you're an experienced bartender or looking for new inspiration and trends, or you're just starting out, this is the place to be. 
Yeah, absolutely. And they've got really great free interactive and uh, advanced e-learning courses that take, you know, you can do them in less than 30 minutes. I've done a couple of them and there's always something new in there that, that I learned that I didn't learn before, which is amazing. Yeah, I, I think it's imperative to visit DiageoBarAcademy.com. Uh, that's D-I-A-G-E-O BarAcademy.com to build your skills uh, with the Diageo Bar Academy e-learning and masterclasses on demand and free. Absolutely. We can't emphasize the free enough. And and it's really incredible because it means that it really is a resource for everybody, uh, no matter uh, what role you are in this industry, no matter how much experience you have, no matter where you are. If you want to learn, you should go check out DiageoBarAcademy.com today. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy here on Heritage Radio Network. Today, we have Austin Henley from Cato in Los Angeles. And uh, one thing that I really want to talk to you about is, uh, you know, a lot of the time on this show, we spend talking about, you know, what what is inside of the glass, the substances that go around and mix, whether they're, you know, whiskey, gin, Amaro, beer, whatever. Uh, but your glassware program is actually a, a, a sight to behold. And I really, really want to hear about just the the origin stories of that and all of the kind of behind the scenes stuff that I know you put a ton of work into, but that the guest might not necessarily see all the time. Yeah, for sure. So um, I, over the past few months, have become very well acquainted with Etsy. Uh, which is, <laughs> and I, I hesitate to to put this out there on the air because I don't want to be competing with anybody for glassware. But Etsy is an incredible source for um, all kinds of of uh, vintage serviceware, barware, glassware, um, and I I go to estate sales as well, um, as well as you know doing uh, vintage shopping and and secondhand. Uh, shopping in Los Angeles and a little bit in Orange County as well. Um, but all the glassware, almost all the glassware, with the exception of a, uh, a glass for a slow gin fizz, which um, We're gonna talk needed about to be very large. Uh, so that, that, that glass is, um, is not vintage because uh, vintage glassware tends to be very small um, or at least smaller than, uh, than modern cocktail glassware. Um, so rather than coupes being, you know, eight ounces or so, they tend to be around six, uh, rocks glasses instead of 10 or 12 ounces, they tend to be eight. Um, so you kind of have to change your, what kind of ice you're using or, and change, um, what kind of straws you're using in the glassware so that it, so that it all, so that it all fits. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I got to sit at your bar and, and I was, you know, uh, of course we're friends. So I got some inside information. You told me about these straws, the glass straws, and that just blew me away. And I think that that's what I'm, what we're kind of talking about is how there are lots of things that that are happening in, in all bars and all restaurants and in any service really um, that the guest just never sees or knows. Uh, but we we're just hopeful, I guess, that it makes their experience better. Um, Tell me a little bit about those straws again. Yeah, so I I found um, a a craftsperson who uh, sources uh, medical medical grade glass tubing um, in you know every color of the rainbow and every degree of opacity uh, that you could possibly want, and she she'll cut the straws to to order um, at whatever size you want. So you can you can have uh, you know for example in a you know, a mint green opaque straw that's eight and a half inches. And then that straw matches the kind of frosted design that I have on the outside of, of one of the glasses in particular. And then, you know, for all the glassware that has straws in the program, having a, uh, having a straw that's cut to the size of the particular glass, because that's the other thing about uh, using vintage well, glassware is that the you size can't... And, col- and the color matching. It's, it's mind-numbing. Yeah. Like, like I, I can't even, it's so delightful. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, and it's, it's something that I decided to do because as a, a, such a small team at, at Cato, the bar team is just myself and one other bartender. Um, his name's Kevin Sheridan. Uh, and it's, it's just the two of us five days a week. Uh, so we do all the prep and, you know, work service, the two of us every night. Um, so there isn't a ton of time to do 
elaborate prepped garnish. Um, and so we needed to find some other way to, to make, uh, to make particular cocktails stand out. And, and one thing that you can do is you can use straws, the glassware itself and, um, particular coasters that you designate to have a different one for each cocktail. And then that becomes the garnish. And it's something that's reusable, uh, and, sustainable as long as you take care of these things um they're going to last you for a long time definitely longer than uh perishable garnish will of course yeah and i I kind of even forgot that each drink has its own coaster so a vintage glass straw that's cut to fit and color matched uh, its own coaster you know and and again does the guest you think even notice this and i think that we do maybe even on a subconscious level humans are yeah even if they're not consciously perceiving it yeah, it's um, like I don't know why that was better. It was just better, right? Um, and we do try to do things where it will it will kind of guide the guests' attention to the fact that 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 something is something is going on. So, you know, for example, uh, even if someone orders a, a glass of whiskey on the rocks, the first time they get it, it's going to be in in one glass with one kind of ice, and the next time that they if they reorder it, it's going to come in a different glass with a different piece of ice. Mm. Yeah. So by the time, you know, they've, they've ordered a couple rounds, they've, they've definitely noticed. Right. Uh, talk a little bit more about just what it's like to be in that literal fine dining. Well, I think we cast around the word fine dining a lot, but you got a Michelin star. That's the, that's the real deal. That's the big game. But what's it like at a bar doing cocktails? And I think that's even newish. That's still, still sort of hitting the scene is to be in a place that's, so well known and to have a cocktail with your, with your dining experience. Talk about that. It's definitely an interesting and, and unique experience to, to join a team that is pre-existing, but that I'm not taking anyone's place. So I am the first bar director at Cato, but Cato has been around for five years. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely something that um, I haven't experienced before. So there is, there is a pre-existing kind of um, fan base for this restaurant Mm -hmm. that is now getting to experience a a different aspect of the restaurant. Um, It it may be their third or fourth time at Cato, but it's the first time that they're having cocktails. So that's definitely a unique aspect of it. Um, And one thing that I have noticed about um, guest cocktail orders uh, and serving cocktails in this kind of environment is that guests are, 100% on board for what we're doing. They are there to experience what Cato has to offer. And part of that is the the cocktails that are on the menu. So, I mean, I could count on one hand, maybe on two hands, but I can count on two hands for sure the amount of cocktails off the menu that I've made for guests at Cato. Right. They want to do what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, And they they are... Yeah. And I think also um, it's it's powerful to know that at Cato, uh, you can sit down and, of course, have this. It's because it's a prefix environment, right? There's no a la carte menu. There so is a small a la carte menu at the bar. Sure, sure. Um, but in but the I, dining room, it is, uh, it is a tasting menu, yes. Right. It's tasting menu only. And you offer, uh, not only do you offer, uh, of course, a wine pairing to go with the meal. There's a cocktail pairing uh, or a non-alcoholic cocktail pairing. And, and they all have all of these touches that you're just describing, talk, talk about some of that. And frankly, it's exciting to me to know that cocktails and pairing with fine food are, are happening, but it's equally exciting to know that you're out there with this non-alcoholic list and you're, and you're selling it and selling quite a bit of it. You you mentioned to me. Yeah. I think last night, um, about 10% of the dining room got the non-alcoholic pairing. Wow. Wow. Which is, which is pretty significant. Um, and, on a, on a nightly basis, our non-alcoholic sales are, I mean, at, at least 25% of what our cocktail sales are. And part of that is the fact that we offer a wide range of non-alcoholic options beyond just non-alcoholic cocktails. So we have a whole page of wine alternatives, for example. Um, and that's something that 
has been around for a little bit, but is now kind of just coming into people's consciousness. I think the first time that I encountered uh, a menu with a significant offering like that was uh, my most recent visit to Gramercy Tavern. They had a whole page of uh, of wine alternatives, and th- some of those things were, you know, unfermented uh, grape juice, and some of them are uh, de-alcoholized wine, and some of them are what are called wine proxies where they actually build up kind of from scratch, the flavor profile of a wine without using uh, a dealkalization process. So in addition to offering um, four non-alcoholic cocktails on the menu, which are all, by the way, they, they are not versions of the cocktails on the menu. Right. right. So that's, it's that's, not, I think that's a huge point to make. You know, yeah. I've run into this hurdle and I've talked to other uh, you know operators who've run into this hurdle where the guest who wants a non-alcoholic drink, they don't want you to just, you know, remove the alcohol from one of the drinks on the menu. They want to feel special. They want to feel like you, yeah. you, you expected them and you knew they were coming. So you prepared for them. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, I, it, I probably put more effort into the alcohol free cocktails than the regular cocktails on the menu because I mean, well, I mean, part of it is that, um, alcohol is a great preservative. So you can, you can prep items that have alcohol that'll last you for two weeks. Um, doing specific or, or unique ingredient prep for a non-alcoholic cocktail is something you have to do on a weekly basis, uh, if not more often. Um, so, and yeah, and, and, and I, I do put that effort in because, those people do want to feel special. And we have a clientele at Cato that definitely wants to have alcohol-free options. Um, and so, you know, that, that, that amount of effort is rewarded in this instance. Um, it, it's not going to be the case everywhere where there's such a demand for alcohol-free cocktails. But I think in, in, in Los Angeles at large, uh, there is definitely an increasing demand for it. But um, yeah, as I was saying for the alcohol-free cocktails where, you know, I'm, I'm making amazake in-house. I'm fermenting tapache. I am, you know, juicing and clarifying bitter melon and cucumber juice and, you know, force carbonating that. Um, and none of those are crossover with, with the cocktail menu. So it, even though someone might not read ingredient for ingredient and say, Hey, those don't show up anywhere else. They, they notice that, it's something unique and the presentation is just as elevated as everything else. I want people to feel just as special when they get an alcohol-free cocktail dropped in front of them. So I, I, I have to ask just for maybe not even for like putting on the menu, but just for you personally, do you ever come up with uh, a, I mean, these sounded amazing. My mouth was watering just listening to you describe these non-alcoholic cocktails, but do you ever personally, as you're making them try it and think, man, this is a dope mocktail but I'd kind of like to make one for myself with some Smith and cross in it or something like that. Does that (laughs) thought ever enter your mind or is it just like totally separate hemispheres of your brain that think about these things? Well, that actually doesn't enter my mind because I, I, I don't, uh, drink alcohol anymore. Okay. So I'm making these as much for, you know, uh, myself, if I were to be dining at Cato as I am for, for the guest. Um, and that's, you know, that's part of what motivated me to create a menu like this is, you know, I, I, I am in those people's shoes. And when I go out to eat, I do want to drink something interesting and thoughtful. But you still cover yourself in glitter, right? <laughs> Every day. Okay. That's Julie's just job. Sure. Before bed. <laughs> it's just it's just good service, man. Well, that's, I mean, I think that's that's incredible. And I think it points to something that we've been seeing a lot of, you know, even before, even in the before times. But I think... Um, you know, the, the last couple of years have kind of given it a kick in the ass, which is, you know, people who want to make that, that choice and other choices for their own health, for whatever, whatever reason personal to them, you know, not being the sort of afterthought or an outlier, but honestly, like there being things that are good that, that cater to them, that have some thought in them and, and are elevated and are worthy of, you know, a hand cut opaque mint green eight inch you know, personalized straw being dropped into it. And I think that's, that's, that's pretty excellent, man. 
Yeah, and then and then that goes to what I was speaking to before about having options that are that are not just alcohol-free cocktails, right? Because even even if I were drinking alcohol, I wouldn't want to have four or five cocktails over the course of a 10-course meal. You know, I might want to start with a cocktail, I might want to end with a cocktail, but in in the in-between time, I would want to drink wine. So having something that fits that mood as well, I think is super important. And that's where that's why we're able to do um, a full alcohol-free pairing that, sure, d- it does involve some stuff from the bar. There are four courses that come from the bar. But the rest of it is all stuff that we've taken great pains to to source. Yeah, really incredible the depth of thought and, and effort that you're putting into every bit. I, I, I do want to uh, let the listener hear about service at the table because you, a lot of what happens at Cato when they order a cocktail or when they get the cocktail pairing with the, with the tasting menu, well, it's not a lot. It's every drink, right? Every drink from the bar gets delivered by a bartender. As much as possible. I think that when the the initial plan, when we were first talking about the the cocktail program at the restaurant, um, I think we dramatically undershot how many cocktails we would be selling. Um, I think that in our initial conversation, you had no data to rely on. You didn't know, right? Yeah. I think Ryan's first estimate was that you know, at, at full, at full capacity, we'd be selling 45 cocktails a night or something like that. And we, you know, in the opening few months, we had a kind of reduced cover count so everyone could get their bearings. Um, and we were selling 65 cocktails at a reduced cover count. And then once we increased it, you know, that went up to scratching at a hundred. Um, so the initial plan was to have the bar run every single drink that we made that was ordered in the dining room. And that's not really possible um, with the amount of cocktails that we're selling, but um, we do try to do it as much as possible. And we do run all of the pairings for the alcohol-free menu. And we are, you know, a lot of the cocktails um, are, you know, poured tableside uh, out of decanters or um, poured out of out of uh, mixing glass, or there are some kind of tableside components to it. But uh, all the captains in the dining room have become, you know, incredibly adept at, at doing that. So I, I don't think anything is lost in the translation there. Yeah, and it's go- it's gorgeous. The place is gorgeous. The style, obviously, all that 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 glassware and, and things that you're putting all that effort into, and even you have these little wooden boxes that you're carrying the drinks out. It's just, man, there's so many levels. And then there's the big one, right? Let's talk about how you're you're selling this gin fizz. <laughs> <laughs> it's internet sensation. <laughs> yeah. So um, we have a, a slow gin fizz on the menu that's made with uh, Rice Bauer slow gin. He's one of my favorite distillers, uh, Rice Bauer, the Austrian U to V maker. Incredible um, stuff. So he, yeah, it's just so good. Um, I've for. I think probably for years now, I wanted to put a slow gin fizz on a menu with rice bower slow gin. And, uh, you know, it's not, not really something you can do when you're doing 300 something covers a night. Um, because it is a little time consuming and we're, so we're, it's rice bower slow gin with, uh, umeshu from Kamayazumi. That's the, that's the brewery, uh, a little bit of allspice and then, uh, you know, lemon, egg white cream. But we're doing it, um, you know, a la Walker in, a la Cocktail Codex uh, in an ISI charger. So it's it's quite voluminous, and this is the only <laughs> this is the only drink that uh, that has glassware that's not vintage because it had to be about twenty ounces. So it's a it's a very thin walled, uh, tall, uh, translucent purple glass that the fizz goes in, um, and we serve we serve it in two parts because it requires about five whole minutes to set in the freezer. So um, when you order the drink so that you have something to enjoy while your friends have, have their first sips of their drink, we uh, drop a little uh, pink 
uh, Depression Era, Tiffin, Glass, Nick, and Nora, and then pour some Ume Soda into that. And then make your fizz. The fizz goes in the freezer. And then uh, we put down a little five-minute hourglass just so that, you know, you can say on the menu that the drink takes 10 minutes to make, but, you know, what's time, right? Mm. (laughs) So you set this down in front of people and they can actually have a visual uh, indication of exactly how long they're going to have to wait for the cocktail. And I, I gotta uh, tell you guys, when I saw him, expectation. yeah, yeah, when I saw Austin drop the, the little drink, I was like, "That's smart. You're you're kind of like tidying them." And then when I, I mean, saw that's... when I saw the hourglass go down, I I'm not kidding. I I shed a tear of I think for the first time in my life a tear of joy. It was so <laughs> fucking joyful to see this because the guest was 100 percent delighted, and the management of expectations there is so smart. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so I'm uh, super excited about that drink. Um, go and now tell how it all finishes up. So then, uh, you know, by the time the drink is ready, the guests are probably done with a few sips of soda. And so then, uh, we set down the cocktail with a little spoon so you can eat the meringue off the top and then, uh, a straw that's been cut to size for the glass with a, a little, uh, oh, and this is something I, I, haven't brought up yet. Uh, in addition to the the custom sizing on the on the straws, I also um, found a gentleman that does uh, like three D printed poured concrete pieces. So what I can do is I can send him a sketch with dimensions, and he will he will create um, a design and then uh, do like a, a rubber three D printed model. He'll send that to me, and then uh, once I approve that, he will do like a poured concrete piece. So he made little um, cylindrical holders for the straw because I couldn't figure out how to set the straw down for the guest without it touching the bar top. Um, and since you're going to put the straw into the glass, one end goes in the glass, one end goes in your mouth, like a chopstick holder or something like that wouldn't work because part of it would still be on the resting on the bar top. So he made little holders that you can stick the straw in because if you – and it stands straight just, up. I, I yeah. forgot about this part. I, I was so enamored by the fucking little timer. Because <laughs> yeah. if you just drop the straw in the drink, it goes below the wash line of the meringue. So you just lose it. So you have to wait for the guest to eat the meringue off the top and then they can put the straw in. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty incredible, man. Yeah, you get it set in the freezer, then you pull it out and you use the spiral spoon method to get the fizz in there and the meringue just goes high 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 to this guy and the guest's eyes light up uh it's it's pretty pretty dope um and it's yeah there's nothing there's nothing about it that's really reinventing the wheel it's just recontextualizing yeah it's like the fucking garibaldi at dante it's two ingredients man (laughs) (laughs) but but they did it in a way that's like so exciting for people yeah and i think that's what you've done there man I, i i have to say i think that this place and your initiative to simply reach out to them cold is they're, they're quite fortunate. And they I got think lucky you are as well. For sure. I think they're, they're fortunate. And so are you like, I think your time at Booker gave you a bunch of these skills. Your time at Amore maybe gave you some, I don't know what it gave you. Uh, and then there's <laughs> <laughs> headache, probably a headache. Uh, and then, you know, you worked at the Walker Inn uh, and you know, you get to use some of those skills there and then you're over at, major domo and it's, it's high volume so you're getting used to that and then and, the, and now you're it makes, where, makes on premiere i mean they do a lot of like table side kind of you know uh, yeah, yeah. Like, i feel, two, like, I feel so, like you've like, really plucked all the pieces of your past and and you're employing them all and so thoughtfully it's uh, i feel like you you're, you're really just in the right spot yeah it definitely does feel like um a culmination of everything i've done up to this point and you know, as far as, you know, Cato being lucky or me being lucky, I feel very fortunate to, you know, to work in an environment where I feel like my, all of my hard work is going towards something and, and for people who are just genuinely very good human beings. Um, and you know, if, if we are going to live in this, uh, capitalist hellscape uh we might as well (laughs) be selling our labor 
to benefit people who are just genuinely nice and caring and decent people. And I couldn't ask for three better people to work for than uh, Ryan, John, and Nikki. I mean, that's incredible. And I'm really, really happy for you because it feels like, you know, I, I, I went out to LA and I was doing work, but I did hook up with three of my friends while I was out there, you being one of them. And I feel like uh, three and all three who used to work at Amori Margo. And I feel like all three of you are doing the thing you should be doing. You know, you, you've gone on, you've taken the the things that you needed from the places you've been, and now you're where you should be. I, I couldn't be more happy for you. It's really great. We should, yeah. before we wrap this up, though, uh, let's talk a little bit about the food, because the food that I ate at the bar was incredible, and that's not even the experience, right? Yeah, so the 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 bar food is has some dishes that are available in the dining room but in during the tasting menu but there there are also some uh some unique dishes to the bar um but the the menu in general i think can best be described as taiwanese american uh, or like taiwanese through the lens of John's experience growing up in the San Gabriel Valley in particular. So a lot of it has to do with not, it's not Taiwanese food per se. It's almost like Taiwanese food through the lens of nostalgia from John's childhood. Interesting. Yeah. The the dishes that I had at the, at the bar were stunningly beautiful, but also just really delicious. Um, you, you offer what five, I think it was five dishes, right? And I was like, yeah, just give me them all. Um, yeah. And that's the great thing. If you, you can order the whole, the whole bar menu and, and you'd, and you'd be full. Yeah, I was, I definitely was. Um, it was delicious. Oh man. You know what I like most about this? I mean, like it all sounds, everything about it sounds amazing, but the fact that you get to go and be like, I'll just have one of everything, you know, that's like, <laughs> that's, that's baller. Yeah, and add caviar. Oh my god, I'm there. I did, I did add caviar. The first uh, thing is a uh, house baked milk bread comes out glistening and and with a bit of salt on top and warm uh, with uh, uh, some beautiful butter and uh, a supplement of caviar. So yeah, bread and caviar to start. Uh, <sighs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And next time I'm out, next time I'm out in California, you, you got to come down. We'll go together and sit at the bar and harass. Yeah, awesome. for sure. Yeah, and um. Dude, I well, I just need to go harass them anyway, uh, whether it's there or otherwise. But, I, dude, it, first of all, it's just great to catch up with you, and it's likewise. It, it is so awesome to hear about all this innovation. Like, I feel like I just want to touch on something real quick that, like, I, I love. I I feel like I've been saying it a lot lately because I've been teaching a lot more classes lately, which is awesome because we're actually at a point now, like through COVID, where I can actually teach seminars again and things like that. But like. And, you know, I always talk about food and drinks and the, the major difference between those two experiences is like with food, you got to think about olfactory first because that's your first sense, right? That you're going to, you can smell, like smell food cooking in the kitchen. It's always the first sense you use, right? But with a drink, it should be visceral because that's mm. the first sense you use is your, your vision, right? And I, I, I love that you're doing this with like custom glassware and straws and coasters, but also I love you know, for the sustainability side of it, I, it just kind of takes me back to like, it's like you're using both sides of the room. Cause like in Momofuku, like Don Lee was doing, like, I feel like if I remember this correctly, like he was like not garnishing any of his cocktails for a long time. They're all served in rocks glasses. They were ungarnished. And then behind that wall, you're in Booker and Dax. And like, I don't know, like to me, it's like, like Souther said, it's like this culmination of like, it's your CV really to take it back to the top of the show, like it's so cool, like to take all those pieces and you've always been a very creative person. So I'm very excited to come see you and not just, well, thanks man. I can't wait to have you. Yeah, man. So yeah, let's get a, I mean, now that the world's opening up Southern Greg and I have been talking about taking a lot of trips um, to make up for lost time, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so LA is definitely on top of my list. Uh, And so, yeah, let's guys, let's get out there and go visit Austin and Cato. Plus, you know where to find me. Yeah, yeah. Plus to take this again, back to the top of the show, I really think, you know, lists be damned or whatever, but this is going to be, I think surely a spirited award next year for best restaurant cocktail bar. Like you're just really going far, far, far beyond 
kind of anything that's happening out there right now. And the fact that it's just you and one other person uh, pulling this off uh, is incredible. Does the does the restaurant ever plan to be open seven days a week? And that would change the labor model. No, it's uh, always going to be a five day a week restaurant, dinner only, never lunch. Um, it's no fish deliveries on Sunday, so right, right on. <laughs> so that's been the, that's been the plan. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're going to run a bar with only two people, uh, you better make sure that other person is absolutely uh, <laughs> worth their salt, which uh, Kevin is. I couldn't ask for a, a more competent intelligent, thoughtful person to, uh, to do this alongside. Very cool. Well, that's Very awesome, cool. man. Where do we find more information about Kato? And, and, and obviously you're AF Henley on Instagram, correct? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, Kato's handle is, uh, at Kato restaurant and, uh, at Kato, uh, and sorry, sorry, uh, Kato restaurant.com. Cool. Yeah, and that's K A T O, right? Uh, mm-hmm. K A T O. Cause it's, it, it's named, you told me it's named after, the, the sidekick the, of, of the green yeah, Lantern, sidekick, right? sidekick of the green hornet <laughs> that's our green hornet <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome um yeah amazing uh well dude really great to catch up with you last week in person um and super yeah that super, was fun yeah super happy to have you on the show today thanks so much for giving us some of your time because i know you were telling me that because it's five days a week and everybody works five days a week and uh, you pull pretty much 12 hour days every day so i really appreciate you taking some of that time to sit down and talk to us yeah i always have time for you guys appreciate it uh i got nothing left in me guys uh damien you want to take us out (laughs) you're you're an empty soul um i'm just a a vessel (laughs) no man this has been really fun talking to austin and catching up with you guys and uh man yeah like i said yeah let's get on to let's get down to la and we got we got a lot of work to do there guys um honestly we've like you mentioned a couple other people used to work at Amore Margo that like I've been on the show in the past as well. Friends we need to visit things that we need to see. And so let's, let's get that on the books. Maybe sometime midsummer. Uh, if, I mean, you're going to be out there Southern anyway, right. For yep. your new spot. You so it. we'll, we'll come meet you uh, there and we'll, we'll all have a great time. I look uh, forward to it. Yeah, sweet. All right. Well, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. Click on the beating heart to donate to the station and keep us going. And until next week, until next time we meet, cheers, everyone. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Happy birthday, Damon. Oh, Happy, Happy birthday, Damon. Happy birthday, man. <laughs> so you don't shun the devil with your rock. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. Gonna get